prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is September 13th. It's a Friday, 2019. It's Friday the 13th. And ironically, I feel like I'm doing really good work today on this show. Uh, I am a sincere believer, and those of you who have listened to me for the past few years at least, I've said that autoimmunity finds uh, itself uh, implicated in so many uh, chronic diseases of modernity today. And when we talk about the immune system, we're talking about the gut and inflammation is the, uh, uh-oh, what happened? We lost something here. My uh, camera? Okay, hold on a second. This is this is uh, obviously a little bit of a challenge here. Here we go. Back to the broadcast. Oh, I've got my, I've got my guest on, but I'm not there for some reason. Um, Suzanne, can you see me? Yes. Okay. Well, I can't see me. I don't know if the audience can see me either. I'm going to just try something. Sit tight. Sit tight one second. One second. One second. It's always something. <clears throat> Those of you who are listening to me on, on the radio, on the live stream, you know that uh, you can still hear me. Let's see if you can see me. No. Oh, there I am. Okay, there you go. My, my mug is critical to balance out the... Uh, uh, the the nice looking person on one side. I have to have my mug on the other side. Well, I'm obviously obviously having some camera issues, but it won't stop the show. Uh, this is an important show because I believe that autoimmunity uh, finds its uh, itself in, implicated in many many diseases of modernity today, and we could not have a better person to talk about this today. I had the good fortune to have uh, breakfast this morning with uh, Dr. William Seeds and his family, his brilliant son Billy. Uh, and uh, I told them about today's show, and Dr. Seed said, there's lots of doctors out there talking a good game, uh, but Dr. Turner is actually changing lives for people with autoimmunity with peptides. And that's saying a lot, because there's a lot of people out there who claim to know what they're doing, but there's not a lot of people who actually are doing the work. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Carl. So you did a lecture at IPS, uh, International Peptide Society uh, Symposium this year, that clearly uh, was amazing because you actually, you didn't just talk about theory, you talked about application and actual results that you were getting with patients uh, in the autoimmunity uh, sphere. So let, let's start there. Talk about the presentation you did and, 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 and how it, uh, how you even... Uh, came to start to focus on autoimmunity with peptides? Well, the path, the pathways are really critical. Those are things I didn't really learn about in medical school, or if I did, I sort of skipped over them. The pace is so rapid that you, you don't really get a chance to dive in and really grasp what's happening. And so now learning about the pathways for maybe the second time and hearing how there are things we can do that influence those pathways makes a big difference. I also see in my practice over and over again, patients who are sick, 
but whose labs look fairly normal, whose regular labs look normal. And so trying to figure out a way to heal them was what started me on this journey in general. Okay. And so peptides are relatively uh, new on the scene. I happen to know that you are part of the mastermind uh, group at IPS. You are one of the physicians that's actually blazing a trail. Instead of just learning, you're actually contributing to the learning process. When did you introduce peptides uh, into working with these patients that seem to have normal blood work but had a lot of really horrible symptoms? About two years ago. So we had, uh, I have several patients who are like that, who I just knew there was something wrong and we needed to fix them. Or I knew they had autoimmune things and we had treated them with all of the standard protocol therapies, things that you would use treat, starting with their guts, starting with um, even using things like low-dose naltrexone. But either they had side effects or they didn't tolerate or for some reason they were not responding to standard of care in even in functional medicine realm. And so just by looking for another thing to help, I went to, I guess it was an A4M conference where I heard, uh, I heard someone speak about mechanical growth factor. And I had a hip injury at the time that I'd been nursing for a while, probably two years. So I ran home and figured out how to order the mechanical growth factor and shot myself with it and got so much better fairly quickly so I decided to pursue the fellowship in peptide therapy with IPS and A4M. What kind of people do you see? And I'm going to use the word spectrum. I know it's been used in autism, but autoimmunity is one of those things, too. You know, um, autoimmunity is a spectrum of disorders from rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, scleroderma. I mean, the list goes on. And now we're starting to learn that diseases like uh, Parkinson's disease, have an autoimmune component to it. So, you know, when you, when you, what do you see the most coming in your door uh, at, at, when they are on that spectrum? What, what types of diseases you see most often? Well, probably most common is uh, diabetes and prediabetes. I, I, am, I do practice family medicine, but if you think about it, even, even, uh, even athletes are in some degree of autoimmune storm because there are, are immune inflammation storm because of their extreme training that they do. So, so probably the number one thing I see is, is heart disease and diabetes, but, but I have a good smattering of all the things you mentioned. Unfortunately, more and more dementia would be probably number three. And then Parkinson, ALS, I had a um, heart to Huntington's patient, uh, some neurodegenerative disease patients in general, uh, even things like patients who are, are in their early 40s beginning to have decline in memory, beginning to have where they're not functioning optimally at their job. So that's, that's probably my top ones. So let's go ahead and start um, and review the autoimmune pathophysiology like you did at IPS. Let's give the audience exactly the full feel for what doctors were taught when you were speaking. So unfortunately, the, the spectrum of autoimmunity is multifactorial. We usually think of it as both genetic, as starting with genetic uh, predisposition to having disease, and then progressing on through a complex interplay of of factors, environmental toxin exposure, uh, um, uh, personal or emotional stressors, uh, illness or infection. In fact, most autoimmune diseases, if we're specifically talking about the creation of antibodies against self, 
the most autoimmune diseases start with some degree of, or at some point encounter some, some sort of infectious cause. And we've seen relationships between rheumatoid arthritis and, uh, and periodontal disease. And, and this is an, an infectious component. We've seen Klebsiella related to patients with MS. And so these, or, or, or herpes virus related to patients with MS. So most of these have some sort of immune com- component or infectious component to them that's sort of a secondary trigger. So they start with the in- exposures that we have all of us in our environment, and then they become either because of a sedentary life where you're not removing toxins uh, adequately or because of exposure to an illness and some sort of infection, there's this trigger of this auto uh, amplification of autoimmunity where it begins as, as just a normal process that's supposed to save your body or help your cells respond appropriately to trauma or infection. It becomes a place where you instead, uh, your body becomes uh, begins to continue to do that inappropriately despite the fact that either the original trigger is resolved or the um, uh, because of the storm of chemicals that goes on. So patients are experiencing this, this chemical storm of, uh, and I heard Betsy talk about it a couple weeks ago, TNF-alpha and IL-6 and all of these inflammatory chemicals that get produced appropriately, probably initially, now they're being produced in an excessive manner and continuing to create, maybe from what used to be a small nidus, now it involves not only your left knee, but your entire body. And um, just as a a tangential question to this, isn't it a, a bad idea for someone who has any type of autoimmunity to take anything that boasts itself as an immune booster I tend to think of uh, if your immune system is attacking you, why do you want to make it stronger? Or am I off base on that? So it, it, that's a more complicated question than yes or no. It depends on what's in that immune booster and what they're trying to accomplish. It's kind of the reason why I like peptides because you really can focus. I know that this does this pathway attacks this pathway or affects the the uh, production of these inflammatory cells or chemicals. And so I know this is going to do what we need for you as opposed to uh, as opposed to not really knowing what we're dealing with immune booster. But you're correct. You, there are several, even peptides you have to be careful with. LL37 is a perfect example. It's a great, uh, um, there's some great protocols for treating Lyme disease with LL37. It's a um, pore forming. So it forms a pore in a hole in the wall of the cell, mm-hmm. allowing other things to get in. But if you give this to someone, we know that LL37 is naturally produced by patients, but if they, if you give this to someone with psoriasis, for example, they already create quite a bit of LL37, and it's part of their disease process. So you really do have to be cautious. Also, in general, when you're treating patients, uh, even, even treating uh, bodybuilders, if they have a component of inflammation that is present to begin with, you really want to calm that, that inflammatory storm before you begin things like uh, growth hormone uh, or, or even CJC epimorelin or the, um, uh, the LR3. You have to be careful with those because if you're upregulating the production, the biogenesis of mitochondria and or the, the function of those mitochondria, they're creating reactive oxygen species, which are doing more damage if you start there. 
If instead you calm the inflammatory storm first, then you can add those on and that amount of reactive oxygen species that you naturally create through the use of mitochondria isn't going to be a problem for you. What percentage of people who walk in your door with autoimmunity have obvious, easily identifiable gut problems? I would say 90%. Right, right. 90% for sure. And you have to be that... None of this is going to work if we're not working on that. That's one of the reasons why I like BPC-157 because you can, it works to start on getting patients' guts healed. So that's one of my original go-tos with most of my patients is, is starting there. There's so much research in that using, uh, treating ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, um, peptic ulcer disease, any of those intestinal inflammatory uh, diseases, um, even SIBO, you can get some benefit in patients uh, with those inflammatory intestinal diseases. If we can calm down that primary immune system, we know we can calm down the, uh, the rest of their body and begin to do things to improve their overall function. But you can't do that until you calm that down first. So it does require all the things you have to do. You have to eat right. You know, if, you're, if you're putting sugar and, and wheat and uh, maybe dairy, maybe soy, depending on the patient. If you're putting those inflammatory things in your body, you're, you're continuing to sort of pour water into the tub that's draining out the side. It doesn't really help until you shut that tub off. Then you can start cleaning things up. Very interesting. So let's go ahead and start moving into the peptides that find their way into your practice, the ones that you see are most valuable when treating autoimmunity uh, and, and, and how they're used in conjunction and dosed and so on. Let, let's start there. So most of my patients in the, that I would describe like this, if, if we're not talking about the diabetes patient, right. uh, we're talking about what we talked about before, Crohn's disease, other inflammatory conditions. Um, I'm going to probably start with them using a thymosin and or BPC-157. Now we're talking about alpha-1 or beta-4? So I'm going to start with alpha one. Okay. Um, if I can do all three, I'm going to do all three. It, you know, depending on the patient, these are expensive, as we've talked about. And so if you if you uh, start with all three, you're talking about a big big hit. But it's going to be very effective if you start with all three. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my patients, because they are multiple chemical sensitive, I'm going to start with very low, probably half the dose that I would normally use on an average patient, and I'm going to start. Uh, uh, with one thing at a time. So typically I'm going to start with thymosin alpha one because I know I can calm down their uh, immune storm using that. We're going to decrease their inflammatory chemicals. We're going to get their, uh, we're going to get their, their um, uh, dendrites and, and monocytes to stop being this henny penny, the sky is falling chemicals. We're going to get their, their barking dog innate immune system to calm down and, you know, come inside and hang out. And then we can begin to add other things on. I can begin to address their uh, their intestines. I can begin to address everything else. So I would start with most patients with, with thymus alpha, alpha one. 1. Okay. Right. And depending on the patient, I'm going to start, it's depending on the patient, I'm going to start anywhere from point. Uh, Two five to point five or twenty five to fifty units on the insulin syringe. Now, now that that that's coming from TaylorMade Pharmacy. It's already reconstituted. Do you have any idea how many micrograms of uh, like like I remember when we first talked about thymus and alpha one a couple years ago on the show? 
uh, it was recommended to take one and a half milligrams every third day if you were fighting a viral infection. In fact, if you're actively fighting a viral infection, I would take it one and a half every day to twice a day. Mm. That's the research with the, um, especially with the influenza, is twice a day for five days, and you should see a big, a big drop in your symptoms. We we had so there was someone who listened to my show on Thymus and Alpha One, uh, and and he had a bad case of uh, herpes zoster breakout on his face and in his mouth. And the doctor said it was moving towards his eye and he could lose his eye. And um, I told him about thymosin alpha-1. He took one and a half milligrams three days in a row, and it resolved itself in under a week. And he said usually when he had those attacks, they lasted months. When we treat, well, the research shows if you even treating animals, we don't see a lethal dose. You can give them tons and tons and tons, and, and there's no side effects and there's no lethal dose with with uh, thymosin alpha one, so I feel very safe giving high doses. We uh, we use it in um, uh, mental in uh, stroke patients or traumatic brain injury patients in much higher doses, and we can give it IV. So these are these are very safe to to give even at high doses. Okay, so beta uh, uh, thymosin alpha one, BPC one fifty seven obviously is a, is a great player in anything gut related, uh, right. and, and so. You would have your patients take that on a daily basis at a prescribed dose. And how long before those two start to show any signs of, of, uh, of quelling the, the autoimmunity? So it can be as quick as a week. We have an ankylosing spondylitis patient who's gotten significant improvement in her pain within a week. But it does sometimes take six to eight weeks for us to see a benefit. And so I'll usually start one, I'll wait a couple weeks, I'll start a second one, like I'll start thymosin alpha one, I'll wait a couple weeks, I'll start VPC 157. Most of the time they'll have a side effect by that time just because these are multiple chemical sensitive patients. Average person's not going to have a side effect, but they'll have a local swelling or irritation. I'll drop back, drop the dose, proceed again, increasing the dose over time. Um, and then we'll add in something like thymosin beta-4. So TB4 I love for lots of reasons, for myself, for, for weightlifting, but also for my patients. I love it because they um, – this is – TB4 is like the toy box of the train – pieces of train, uh, toy train. And so if you want nutrients and cells healing and, uh, and, and other – and chemicals and proteins, signaling proteins to come to your area of damage or disease – you have to have a mechanism for them to move. And so TB4 is a, a G-actin sequestering, meaning it holds onto those pieces of train track for you to use uh, when you need them. Otherwise, they're dispersed and reused as something else. Um, but if you, if you have TB4 around, it holds them in place so you can lay down those train tracks to get things quickly back and forth, even mitochondria to create energy for the process of healing requires G-actin uh, train tracks to be set. So it's, it has a lot of other signaling properties TB4 does and, and, um, and healing by, by its signaling properties, but its main function is in laying that groundwork for transportation of necessary nutrients and uh, proteins and mitochondria. Now, is, is, is TB4 given uh, also in low chronic doses or is that something that you go in with a couple big doses and back out i see a lot of different discussion on different protocols so i will do i will do a pretty high dose the first dose 
And then I'm probably going to do it for about six weeks. Again, depends on what I'm treating. So I have a patient right now that I'm treating with uh, who has some neurodegenerative disease, very young man, uh, had some fairly significant physical and emotional trauma a few years ago and is is struggling. So I am giving him a six-week rotation of several uh, nootropics, including TB4. Uh, started with a fairly high dose of TB4, and then I'm switching over for him to cerebrolysin, and then I'll use dihexa, and then I'll use maybe a patalin or DSIP or CMAX, and I'm doing sort of a every six weeks rotation with those with a baseline for him of TA1 and, T- and uh, BPC157. Once he was on those for a little bit, I added CJC epimoralin to increase his mitochondrial function, and then we started this six-week cycling. So for every patient, it's a little bit different. Okay, and uh, there's questions coming up. We will get to them. And Julio, we're going to talk about Lyme in just a moment. Sit tight. I used uh, 400 milligrams of dihexa this morning because I've given up caffeine. And I, I got to tell you, I feel that stuff when I use it. It's amazing. It's so interesting. I rub, it on, really- I rub it on my neck, and literally, like, a couple minutes later, I'm like, oh, why do I feel like I've just had coffee? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the, um, the, the, the leaky gut thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, a lot of people in the, in the medical orthodoxy still – I had a doctor say to me, there's no such thing as leaky gut. I says, what's GERD? And he looked at me, he says, what? Well, what's GERD? I says, GERD is, your, your food is coming back up into your esophagus, right? Isn't your gut leaking at that point? And so, you know, I, I get this, I think it's humorous that, oh no, the gut just can't leak and that's just nonsense. But rounding back to the uh, question about uh, gut problems in this population of people, uh, are there other things that you do for the gut specifically to help it uh, kind of reestablish or create a more fertile soil for the things that you're hoping to happen with the peptides? Well, for for non-peptide, I'm a huge fan. I don't use a lot of probiotics. I try to recommend people use food. But I'm a big fan of using prebiotic starch. So I like King Arthur. I like, there's several other good brands, but I, I like using prebiotic fiber. I mean, if, if I can get patients to do chia and flax seeds, that's a great way to get them things that their intestinal bugs love to eat. I treat them like stray cats. So if you aren't feeding them what they want to eat, they were going to run away. They're not going to hang around. And right. if you want them to stay around, you got to feed them fiber, which is what they love. Doctor, good, I'm sorry. Good. That fiber is going to create the, the when the bugs eat it, they're going to create butyrate, which is the primary fuel for your colon cells. So you could eat avocado and butter and get your butyrate, which is my favorite way to get butyrate. But I also need to feed, know that I need to feed my intestinal bugs, and so I do that with um, with fiber, various fiber sources. Doctor Satish Rao came on my show a couple years ago, and he he published that study that blew up the internet about uh, lactic acidosis from SIBO, brain fog, aches in the muscles, soreness, weakness, and all that. And um, so when I had him on the show, I said, what do you attribute this, uh, this, this modern-day explosion of SIBO? And he said, well, you know, it's really hard to say. I said, what about the – everybody's taking probiotics willy-nilly. I mean, I was taking VSL number three, 900 billion CFU a day. I gave myself SIBO. I'm telling you, I did. 
And so, you know, we, 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 I, I'm with you when you said, you know, I'm not a real big, I think that we are going to look back a decade from now and go, man, did we get the whole probiotic thing wrong? Because we were literally seeding the small intestine. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm with a fan you. of there. There's one called. There's one that um, uses vegetable uh, fibers as the um, fermentation source. I like that one quite a bit. I, I, if I'm going to recommend a probiotic, I recommend that one. But it's pretty rare anymore that I recommend probiotics for patients. Yeah, yeah. Get it from kimchi. Kim, kimchi is a good source. Uh, sauerkraut that doesn't have sodium benzoate in it to kill the the, the microbes is a good source. So Julio uh, Julio. Givaria, I hope I pronounced that right, says any peptides that work for Lyme. So you and I talked off the air. Lyme disease kind of has uh, some of the hallmarks of, of autoimmunity as well. And when you think about it, it is a form of autoimmunity because initially uh, the, the, the tick lays its whatever in you and your immune system goes after it. But then all of a sudden your immune system goes, oh, that tissue in your joints looks similar. Let's go after that. And that tissue in, in the muscle nerve, go, and, and all of a sudden it just starts attacking the entire body. Is that is that a, a dumbed-down uh, explanation of Lyme disease? It's a brilliant explanation. The The problem with Lyme disease is it's an intracellular, uh, back, it's an intracellular bug. So it's going to hide from your immune system, and it takes over the machinery of your immune system and, and prevents it from seeing it. So there are sort of flags on the outside of our cells that will alert the immune system that something is there. Lyme disease prevents those flags from being posted. And so one of the things I love about TA1 is it it reverses that. It goes back and presents those, those flags again. It does that for cancer cells too, or we've seen in research it does that for cancer cells too. It allows the, you know, cancer cells will also take over the machinery for alerting the immune system that there's a concern. And so, so we've seen in, um, at least in cell culture and animal research, that we can increase that production of the, hey, there's a problem here flag if we use things like TA1 in those patients. Mm-hmm. So let's, let, let me put this question up by Jeff Clifton. Uh, how can a layperson get a bedrock of understanding for peptides. We're going to come out with something, I promise you. I've been working in behind the scenes. But more importantly, his next portion of his question is about healthcare providers and why aren't doctor why are doctors reluctant to prescribe? No, they're not. They're just not educated. So, if you have a physician that you like and you don't want to start going to someone else who's clearly uh, on the bleeding edge of some of this stuff, send them to peptide uh, society.org was it dot yes. com uh, peptide society.org and have them join the international peptide society where they can be trained to prescribe peptides the, the information's out there the average doctor isn't interested in this the average doctor that's you know just pres- prescribing uh, blood pressure meds and metformin to his patients and just going through the the, the, the routine day mundanely they're not interested in this but if there's a doctor that you know that's like i'd like to know more tell them to join international peptide society and get educated to prescribe it's and it's a long you know learning when when we're talking about doctors being in their busy practices seeing 30 or 40 patients a day and then going at home and working three or four hours to finish charts and labs they don't have time to learn about this and so it really requires taking a step back and realizing your patients aren't doing better so what do you need to do to be sure that your patients are doing better? And how do you get those patients moving in the right direction? 
You know what? We have to take a break anyway, and then we have a question from Melissa Ann when we come back. We're having all sorts of uh, uh, technical difficulties, but here, here, here comes Dr. Turner. Okay, we're back. We're back. This is great. This is great. You're fast, Dr. Turner. Very, very fast on the gun. I appreciate that. Thank you very Try. much. Um, we have a question from Melissa Ann. She says, what peptides are good for candida? So before you answer that question, it is, I, I, I'm starting to think that everybody is being told that they have candida. And, and in fact, they may. Um, I, I think uh, candida is one of the uh, uh, culprits associated with protecting children from getting asthma, if I remember correctly. But if they have too much, then it's a problem. So t- talk about candida kind of topically about your opinion of it, and then are there any peptides that are good if someone is, is, has overgrowth? So we have to remember that, that, that uh, candida is a normal bug that lives in our intestines in some, to some degree. It's, it's not going to be around uh, to a high degree. The problem is you've allowed overgrowth of that, usually by antibiotic use, recurrent antibiotic use, or by uh, if, if you're under a particular amount of stress, now your cortisol has, has caused that sort of uh, increased inflammation in the wall of the, of the intestine. Those bugs love that, and so the candida will overgrow in response to that situation. So if you're eating too much sugar, if you're – and I'm talking not about fruits and vegetables. I'm talking about sugar. Right. You know, don't, uh, if you're doing that – or alcohol. We forget about that being a big contributor. So if you're doing that, probably you do have an overgrowth of, of candida. Um, the problem with, uh, with treating candida is you can't treat the candida. You've got to replace – the things that are missing. And so we have to go back to healing the gut lining and replacing the things that are missing. So again, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say, uh, uh, getting those patients to eat properly is probably number one, working on their, uh, emotional uh, situation, whatever that situation is, getting them to set better boundaries with people or work in their lives. Uh, um, and then we're going to probably have them, um, uh, they're, they're going to start working on their gut I might start with with doing something like prebiotic fiber, trying to get their intestinal bugs to stay around. You're eating it as you whatever you eat throughout the day, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to get those good intestinal bugs to stay around. You got to give them foods they like, which is prebiotic fiber. You know, the goal is 35 grams a day. If you're not taking in 35 grams a day as a woman, 45 as a man, sometimes, then you're probably not getting enough. And those are they're easy sources. Any crunchy vegetable. Um, chia and flax seeds, raspberries, the, the the fuzzy shell on a kiwi. You can throw that in your smoothie in the morning. All of those are great sources. And there's a lot that are available powdered. Yeah, but I think I, I'm with you on the natural food sources. I think that's the best. That's We evolved to uh, eat the foods and extrapolate the benefits from it through digestion. We, you know, there was a study done about five years ago that showed acellular carbohydrates, which is basically what you call flour, any kind of flour, acellular carbohydrates promote uh, feeding bad bugs in the gut. Uh, Because if you would have eaten that stuff as a whole kernel, uh, you would have digested it completely differently than when it's been pulverized into what acellular form, and it just can actually be digested in inside the stomach itself still before it gets downstream where it was originally designed. To be digested. Well, and, and here's one of the problems. If you begin, a lot of dietitians and other physicians will tell you if you have candida, 
they will tell you that you need to cut out every single carbohydrate from your diet. Well, here's the problem. If you cut out your carbohydrates, again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, you're not feeding those stray cats that you want to stay there. They want to eat that prebiotic fiber and they need to create that butyrate, which is the fuel for colon cells. So if you are cutting out every single uh, um, carbohydrate from your diet, you're really restricting your ability to heal from that candida in the first place. And there's another, I'd just like to comment a little bit more on that line. Um, the things that live in our gut are highly evolved. In yes. fact, uh, if you look at their relationship with us, it's almost like we served them, right? They needed legs to carry them. They needed a mouth to pulverize things. They needed hands to reach and grab them things. And so we are hosting them and they're highly evolved. Um, so I know people who went keto and they said, oh, all my gut problems went away. Well, temporarily, because those microbes become spores. They go into a state of suspended animation. Fungi can go into a state of suspended animation. Viruses, we know, go into suspended animation. You can have a viral uh, bug on a countertop six weeks, and it's just sitting there waiting for something to pick it up and revive it. These are highly... When, when something can go into suspended animation, this is a level of evolution that we don't have. Think about that. And so... When you stop eating foods that cause the problems, you do get relief. But that's just because they're patiently waiting for you to go back and eat those foods again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is why you have to eradicate them, whether it's with peptides or, or other things we're going to talk more about. What I'd like to do is I'd like to take a break. First, I want to plug your, your practice. So people who are listening to the show right now, if you live within driving distance of Georgia, your practice is located where? In Roswell, Georgia. I'm in. I'm about 20 minutes north of, of Atlanta. Okay. Do you do telemedicine? I do. Does someone have to come to your practice one time in person first? I think it's the best. Okay. I feel like I can get a better uh, idea of what's happening if I see them. Yeah. Okay. And how can people find you uh, if they want to reach out to you and come see you? Our website is, is uh, www.vinemedical.com. And our uh, phone number is 404-446-3600. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'd like you to talk about some of the cases you've treated and the results that you're seeing uh, using peptides uh, for autoimmunity, okay? Great. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of the Pep Talk. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman Radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive. At RenewLifeRx.com. You already know the benefits of red light therapy. Now you have to find the strongest, best one out there at the best price, right? That's where Scott Chevery found himself. He had to create Mito Red Light so you can get the strongest, best red light therapy unit in the world at the absolute best price. And the Superhuman Nation gets an additional discount. Go to MitoRedLight.com and use code SHR to get the lowest price anywhere, plus free shipping inside the USA. 
away and deeply discounted shipping worldwide. Go to MitoRedLight.com and use code SHR today. That's M-I-T-O-R-E-D-L-I-G-H-T.com. There's a phenomenon today. So many of us sit for hours each day. Slowly, our bodies respond by shortening certain muscles. The psoas gets shorter and shorter over time. It leads to lower back problems, stiffness when standing, and inhibits your running performance. Now there's Psoright.com. That's P-S-O hyphen R-I-T-E dot com. Psoright is a device that allows you to stretch your psoas muscle and return them to normal function. And it does it better than any stretching movement or chiropractic adjustment. You can use it in your home, office, or at the gym. Experience what thousands of people already know. Check out pso-rite.com and save 20% off when you use the code SHR. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1. Go to Redcon 1 com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com, or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. Looks like, you know, today we've been... Uh, Barrage with technical difficulties. Somebody just posted there's a hot mic. I checked all the mics. They're closed. So I don't know what it is. Uh, okay. Let's talk about some of your success stories. And, uh, and, and then we have more questions we'll answer for lots of people, especially about mold. Okay? Okay. Okay. So talk about some of your success stories. So probably there's – I have several, of course. There, one of my favorites is the patient with Crohn's disease who is only 25 years old and she's been, she got restricted down to a broth and yogurt diet only. She was really, she'd been through everything. I and mean, we treated her with um, naltrexone and glutamine and aloe and um, marshmallow root and um, aged garlic extract and multiple Myers cocktails. And she'd been on colostrum and then we switched her over to the SBI protect and we put her balanced her hormones. We did she was in a, quite a regimen of uh, intestinal barrier repair and attempts, and uh, she had very little response to that. She, we were not the first provider she'd seen either, so she had quite a bit. And we put her. She was at this point. She had gone to GI and was on uh, high dose steroids, probably seventy five milligrams a day of steroids at twenty five years old. So she's already risking osteoporosis and tendon destruction, that sort of thing. So it's pretty pretty sad. Uh, so anyway, she comes to us with that, uh, history and we put her on BPC 157, started her at 1500 a day capsule form. And over about six weeks, she began to be able to, uh, withdraw her steroids. 
So we dropped her down to 500 milligrams of the BPC-157 every day. This is a patient I just treated with BPC because clearly she has multiple allergies, multiple chemical sensitivities. So I just put her on BPC-157 alone. Uh, we, we did that for about six weeks. We dropped her down to 500 from 1500 and she's been able to almost completely come off. I think she's now on two milligrams of prednisone. We're slowly weaning her down with the approval of her gastroenterologist, uh, to who's of course aghast at what we're able to accomplish. (laughs) And it's been, it's been great. So we're real excited with her. She's been able to add more foods back to her diet. So some, her first one she added back was, was broccoli. So she's getting that prebiotic fiber and she's doing much better now. She's significantly improved. This has been, we started her in January. So we're now in September and she's down to about two milligrams from 75 milligrams of steroids. Interesting. Um, you know what I found increases mucosal barrier production? It's very counterintuitive. Betaine hydrochloride, hydrochloric acid. By, by lowering the pH of the gut, the gut starts to produce more mucus to protect the lining of the gut. And, and, the, and the reason I think that's interesting is because I, I've been looking at gut problems for a long time now. Because I, I even think uh, uh, obstructive sleep apnea starts in the gut and then the, the esophagus becomes inflamed and the windpipe becomes narrowed and boom. But um, I think that a lot of the problems we have today, I've even found certain artificial sweeteners that, that will raise the pH of the gut, therefore lowering the acidity of the gut. I have a feeling that we do things in today's society, maybe chemicals that are in our food, that almost Pharmacy. act like proton pump inhibitors. Right. And, they, and so they shut down the hydrochloric acid. This you know, the hydrochloric acid in your stomach is the gatekeeper of keeping microbes from getting into the small intestine and taking seed. So exactly. the pH changes in the gut. The opportunistic microbes start to build homes in the small intestine. And they happen to also have an interesting characteristic. That is, they turn proton pumps off to protect their environment. They turn the acid in the gut down and slowly the mucosal barrier starts to just disappear. When you introduce, and you have to do this in between meals, people are like, oh, I take, no. An hour after a meal, see what you can tolerate, 1,800 milligrams, 3,000 milligrams, whatever. It, maybe it's only 1,000 milligrams. Take some betaine hydrochloride, not a lot of water, just a little bit of water, and just watch what happens. If you're one of these people who belches for hours after the meal, you, you'll stop belching as soon as you take that because the undigested food that's just hanging around will become digested and motility will kick in and it'll, it'll move along. But when you do that, you'll also find that the mucosal barrier of your stomach starts upregulating. And I think that's counterintuitive. It's so interesting. Or you can eat smaller meals. Yeah. Or, or, or even <laughs> vinegar probably works as well, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. I, I can't eat a small meal. I don't. It's just not. In, <laughs> it's not in my vocabulary. If you, I you, think that's one of the things we do in our society too is eating larger meals. That yes. makes this a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just push too much down. Okay. Uh, what other interesting? Uh, so, how about have you worked with anybody with fibromyalgia? That's a big thing for women today. So, with fibromyalgia, is sort of a different process, and and you're still talking about this inflammasome, this inflammatory problem, and and talking about the signaling to the brain 
So when you're talking about that kind of patient, I might even go use something like pentasan polysulfate. But again, I'm always with these patients going to start using something either TB4 or, I'm sorry, TA1 or BPC157. I'm either going to start with one of those because I want that inflammatory process to calm down. And then I'm going to move on to using something, in that case, like pentasan polysulfate to get them to have to decrease their pain receptors uh, going to their brain. In those cases, there's actually some interesting research on using AOD in pain control. And so you may be able to get away with doing three or four doses a day of AOD in those patients instead of using pentasan to get their uh, to get their pain under control. You know, it's interesting. AOD 9604 came on the scene about 15 years ago as a, a lipolytic. Uh, the problem was you had to inject it three or four times a day to see any real results. But now it's become so much more uh, than just the lipolytic. It's really an amazing fragment uh, for pain management, uh, to protect soft tissue, uh, infl- inflammatory, health, uh, to make a, create a more healthy, resolving inflammatory response. Um, what, about, uh, what about Melanotan 2? I know a lot of people don't want to be tan, but doesn't Melanotan 2 have some really powerful and interesting properties as an anti-inflammatory when, when we're dealing with chronic inflammation. It sure does. And I'll tell you in a minute about my uh, case with my um, with using AODHA in my patient with avascular necrosis, which is, we think, an inflammatory response as well. But regarding melanotan, it's a great molecule. And in fact, it would be one of my, it would be in my pre, my first armamentarium if it wasn't for the tanning benefits, uh, side effect, depending on who you are. The problem, of course, some people don't want to get that tanning. And so if you do want that tanning, that's great. And so it's wonderful to use. It's involved in this. If you, It's easy to find any literature on this. The anti-inflammatory, cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway. This is involving the vagus nerve. It starts with what you were mentioning a minute ago, the alkaline to acidic uh, conversion in the stomach. So starting with alkaline, going to acidic, it's why we eat our salads first. Uh, that conversion from alkaline to acidity can stimulate the, the nicotinic receptors in the spleen, mm. which then goes via the vagus nerve stimulating the brain. So now we have the monocytes or inflammatory cells, those nighttime barking dogs in the brain that are calming down. Instead of being henny-penny and spewing out inflammatory chemicals, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, they become this very calm janitor. The same exact cell can can become one or the other depending on the milieu in which it finds itself. And so this uh, when it becomes the janitor, it, it takes the trash out. It helps, especially in the brain, helps with removing inflammatory chemicals and toxins from the brain. And so we love melanotan because that's one of its major effects is this cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway calming down the immune system in general. Interesting. Uh, we have some questions we're going to go run through. So Jeff Robinson, and then he has another one where he corrects his spelling. Would, uh, would thymulin or thymulin be beneficial uh, peptide for those with CIRS. Isn't CIRS a chronic uh, mold problem? Yes, exactly. And so you still have to go through all the pathways treating mold that you would normally do, things like binders and uh, uh, other anti-inflammatories. But most of the time, they're going to require you to start with something that's going to dampen your immune system. Most mold uh, physicians will start with something like 
uh, uh, those resolving mediators that you get from fish oil or, or they'll start with fish oil or they'll start with pioglitazone. You'll start with all of those at, at the beginning. You could use TA1 as that same uh, factor, bringing down the inflammation before you start with the binding. And so that's probably where I would start is give them, put them on a pathway to getting calm their inflammation calm down and then start them on the pathway of removing the toxins. You have to get out of exposure. This is the problem. You know, in order to get out of exposure, most people either have to move or change jobs. Yeah, right. Um, remodeling is But, so but you know what? But in all honesty, sometimes it's just changing your lifestyle and the foods that you eat, really. It can be. Yeah, yeah I mean, a lot be. of people, if you start to pay attention to the food you eat, you'll find out there's lots of insulting things in the food that you're eating. Exactly. Especially in blue cheese. Mm. I love blue cheese, too. Gorgonzola. <laughs> I'm Italian, so we like gorgonzola cheese. Exactly. Um, so, excuse me. Um, is, is there, oh, here's the next question. I'm sorry. Is there a peptide protocol that you've used with patients exposed to toxic mold and active mold in their system? I guess this is kind of a duplicate question of that. And really, what you just said answers that. But what about LL37? So, yes. the first time I ran LL, so I had foot surgery. And when I came out of the foot surgery, I had uh, a toenail mold on one of my, mm. a couple of my toes. And they wanted me to take a pill for like a year to get rid of it. And I thought, this is stupid. I'm not going to do that, right? But I just, well, happened, to, I just happened to do LL37. I'm sorry. I just happened to do LL37 for other reasons. And that mold went away. Mm-hmm. So the, one, of the, one of the confusions with mold is that, that you actually have the mold in your system. In your case, you do probably have some sort of toenail fungus. But when you're talking about the inflammatory system that's involved in mold, we're not talking about mold necessarily living in your body. We're talking about your immune response to those mold toxins. So the brain effects and the intestinal effects and the joint effects are all related to the toxin that that mold produces. It might be sitting across the room, but if it's spewing out that mold toxin into the room... Uh, and that's so interesting. So it's not inhabiting you. You're just being exposed to it. You got it. You got it. So um, the, some people are allergic to mold, and that's a different category of disease. But if you're specifically talking about SIRS, the chronic inflammatory response syndrome, there's a, a cacophony of, of peptides that we use. So I'm a fan of the RG3 nasal spray. I really like the VIP. You have to use that later in the treatment plan for. So you really need a mold specialist who knows how to stepwise treat you. Um, and you got to remove your exposure. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention Metagenics makes a great product called SPM Actives, which is just the... Uh, the the uh, inflammation-resolving uh, mediators that are in fish oil. Great stuff. Are you familiar with it? it I am. It's expensive, but yes. Yeah, it's, it's well worth it. Uh, let's see here. So this is a, a melanotan question. Have you ever used melanotan to raise alpha MSH for chronic Lyme and mold? Absolutely. It's a later stage treatment. It's later in the treatment. Again, you have to remove the mold first, which most people aren't willing to do or unable to do. And then you have to remove the mold toxin with some sort of binder. And this takes three months or so. You can be doing things like uh, like um, TA1, BPC157, RG3 in the meantime, because those are all anti-inflammatories that are going to help your brain. But you have to be careful when you get to you, you really don't want to treat that alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone until the end of your treatment. Um, you don't want to raise that right away. You want to use the other inflammatory modulators first, and you'll use that 
if you use VIP, your melanocyte stimulating hormone will go up. And your VIP should be low if you have SIRS, or most of the time is low if you have SIRS. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, Let's see here. The next question is, I've had some luck with okra pepsin. I don't know. By by standard process, do you have an opinion on it as a gut healing tool? It's going back to exactly what Carl was saying before. So the okra is mucin, which is the same things that's in aloe. And that slimy stuff that no one likes to eat um, is that's in okra is the same stuff. And so it goes into the intestine, helps create that lining back again. Absolutely. I, I do think standard process things have a little bit low dose, but most often people don't need a huge dose, especially our multiple chemical sensitivity. You might respond to a very small dose, but that has the, um, I, I'm not sure if it has betaine in it or, or not. I think that product has betaine. I can't remember if it has just the digestive enzyme pepsin, which is a little bit limited. You need a little bit broader spectrum uh, digestive enzymes if you're going to use them for inflammation. So I, I did a show. I'm trying to recall what it was, but it was with a, a, a gastroenterologist. And and during the show, it was mentioned that when you fast, especially for like intermittent fasting, long fast, 16 hours, the uh, the body seems to move a lot of toxins into the gut. And that there's an opportunity to take uh, like uh, micronized charcoal, yes, and with a little water swallow it, and that will actually bind to things in the gut that you want it to carry out of the body. Any truth to that? You can use bentonite clay. You can use um, uh, pyrophyllate clay. I think that uh, the biocide people make that one. Um, there are several binders that you can use. The one that has the most binding sites um, is the is the cholestyramine powder. It tastes awful, and uh, <laughs> but it is available, and it's got sugar in it, so you're kind of a little counterproductive if you're. You can get it compounded, but that's also another. Uh, the compounding one is more expensive. I'm going to go ahead and answer this uh, question. Yes, this this video will be on Facebook. Uh, forever at the Superhuman Radio Network uh, page, so someone can come back later and watch it as a replay if they uh, choose to. And then, of course, if you go to superhumanradio.net, you can listen to uh, the audio portion of this as a podcast. Uh, Let's see. I think that's it. I think that's all the questions we have right now. Um, I want to take our last commercial break, and then we'll kind of wrap up the interview, okay? Okay. All right. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a better way to absorb the nutrients you know you need? Do what I do and start your day with lipospheric supplements from Live On Labs. Unlike pills and powders, Live On's patented liposomal encapsulation technology transports nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin B, glutathione, acetyl-L-carnitine, and alpha-lipoic acid to where they need to be, your cells. Visit try.liveonlabs.com forward slash Carl to learn why I take these supplements every day to help me perform in the gym and in life. That's try.livonlabs.com slash Carl. There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in CanSee eye drops. I've been using CanSee for six months now, and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is, I've been using CanSee eye drops for 11 years now, and I credit CanSee eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. CanSee eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both 
Use and endorse CanSee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how CanSee eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. Are you still on the fence about Body Protection Complex BPC Oral from DrSeeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, Jim, in Columbus, Ohio. I had been having some nagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so it just older tendon kind of issues. For us powerlifters, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through. And I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all. Go to DrSeeds.com, D-R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years you've heard me talk about can see eye drops and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old but I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using can see and having some amazing results recently I got an email from a fellow named Chad who because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months developed a cataract can see eye drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it I will never stop using can see eye drops twice a day I've been using Using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than can see eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board, and we will both be looking into the future with very. Who wants to have better sex? That's a stupid question. Everybody wants to have better sex. And you can start having better sex if you go to the website bluechew.com, B L U E C H E W.com. Use the code SHR and get a free order order of your choice of the only two FDA-approved drugs to treat erectile dysfunction, sildenafil or tadalafil. Best of all, they're chewable, so they start to work in minutes. Go to BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, use code SHR, and you will get your first order for free. You do have to pay $5 for shipping, but come on, it's an easy deal. Who wants to have better sex? Okay, get busy. You know how to do it. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. Don't hate us because we feel good. That's right, baby. We feel good. Doing reps with the weight of the world. I like that one the best. All right, so first of all, we got a couple kudos to put up. Jeff Robinson says, great information. Jeff Clifton says, great show. Bravo. Uh, Jeff Robinson has a question. He says, has your clinic looked into any of the peptide bioregulators by Dr. Cavinson? I think he's probably talking about those dye and tripeptides like penalon and epitalon and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, so they have such great research. All of the research that was done on them was done out of the company that, or the group that makes them. So that's a little suspect to me. Of course, the research is really impressive, though, you know, with uh, improving telomere length, um, improving longevity. So it's hard to pass up the idea of doing it. The, the, t- the treatment is only twice a year, short, short term, a quick course of um, injections, and you do it twice a year. There is, we use them for pa- patients who have jet lag or patients who have migraines. I'll use them in a combination uh, with some other peptides. 
to get rid of, of migraines or, or jet lag. So they're available. I have a few patients who've slept really well using a very small dose of the epitalon particularly. So absolutely. I did that whole protocol, 20 milligrams a day for 10 days. What did you notice? I think I was a little less stupid. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know what? This morning we were talking at breakfast about several things, and I uh, I, I am a very extreme person. And so it's hard for me to tell what's working because I'm usually doing a dozen things at one time. Right. But when I was on the bodybuilding forums, um, my my avatar, under my avatar, it said 250-pound Wistar rat. And that's how <laughs> I saw myself. I am the original test dummy. Um, so Jeff Clifton said something. I want to share something with you as well. He says, your viewership goes way up every time you talk about the gut. So... Uh, AARP did a study a couple years ago, and they came back that said 76% of people surveyed claim to have some sort of gut issue. And we have people out there like Larry the Cable Guy telling people, when the foods you don't like don't like you, take Nexium. No, man, that's a bad idea. When the foods you like don't like you, don't eat those foods uh, because you are giving yourself diseases. Uh, I just talked about this a few days ago. I was at the gym the other day. I saw a girl whose gut popped out right beneath her solar plexus and went back in right above her pelvic bone, and I thought for sure she was pregnant. And then talking to a friend of mine who knows her, I was like, how many months is she? He goes, she's not pregnant. Uh, The level of, I see people that are very lean, distended stomachs. And I already know that this is inflammation from, excuse me, the esophagus to the anus. These people are so inflamed. And that inflammation is leading to disease states 10 years from now. All the people that are looking at today's show because they have autoimmunity issues need to be patient because while the symptoms may have crept up on you over the course of a year, the inner workings of developing this disorder have taken decade or decades in some cases. And exactly. and that's you know you can't be you can't uh, see that's what the pharmaceutical companies want. They want you to feel something quickly, so you'll take some crap drug that doesn't cure the problem, but is tantamount to just removing the battery from the smoke detector. The house is still on fire. And you have to be patient when it's the gut. The gut takes time to get sick. It takes time to get well as as well. And I want to do more shows about the gut because I really believe that if we look at diseases in general... Uh, and we, and we take out uh, type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance, right? We put that on the side. We look at this spectrum of other disorders that plague our population today. I, I guarantee you we can track them all back to your gut. I would say diabetes would be included in that. Tell me more what you think about that. Uh, I think it's an inflammatory pathway. I think it's uh, it's it's eating up mitochondrial function. I think our diet and our lifestyle eats up the mitochondrial function of the pancreatic cells, and that's why we end up with this insulin resistance in the first place. Yeah, so it's just not an overburdening of the pancreas, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see what this next uh, question is. Let me see if I can get to it. Any other peptides not mentioned that have found to be useful? C-Lank, C-Max, Epitalon, DSIP, those are more brain function, aren't they? 
Well, I was going to say, remember that most of the neurodegenerative diseases are brain on fire. They are inflammation of the brain. And so if we're talking about treating the brain, then we talk about TA1 and BPC157. You know, the research in rats about traumatic brain injury, of, about stroke, if you um, are, if patients, or if rats are on BPC157 before they have their stroke or their, or their injury, absolutely. I love using CMAX and C-Link in those patients because it's not an injection. So some people are resistant to using injections, especially some of your dementia patients would be really resistant to using uh, injections, but they might tolerate a nasal spray once a day or twice a week, which is the typical protocol for those too. And so we will use those in those patients. There's a lot of things we're going to use in those patients. I'm going to use Dihexa because like you mentioned earlier today, the inflammatory process takes over the way the oligodendrocytes with MS or, or with, with dementia, with the way those oligodendrocytes are able to uh, make those um, axons long and branching. And if we can't get them to function that way or to, to be that way, then, then you're going to end up with those neurodegenerative diseases. So if we can decrease that inflammatory process and then add the, neuro, the neurogrowth factors that are in things like cerebrolysin or uh or dihexa, or even um, C-Link, you're going to find that those those patients do much better because they're being properly stimulated. Loretta Tai says, very interesting. Have you heard of MMS sodium chloride mixed with hydrochloric acid for gut health? I haven't. I haven't. There's a lot of okay. stuff out there. There's every day. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, gut uh, the, people's guts are such a big problem that there are products out there that we've never heard of. Because mm-hmm. it, you just can't keep up after a while. Now, let's see here. We have another couple questions here. So, uh, Jason, let me see this. I'm having a hard time navigating my screen here. Uh, Jason Barkowski, Barkowski, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm sorry, Jay. Uh, when starting a peptide protocol like TA1 along with BPC, if you have to stop, had to stop TA1 protocol for a few days, Due to the prescription delayed from pharmacy, would it be better to wait until you have enough to complete the protocol or go ahead and start both to get the healing process started? I would first of all say that depends on the patient, but I'm going to always lean towards let's go ahead and get you started because you're you're miserable. You're not coming to see me because you feel great. You're coming to see me because you don't feel well. So let's get the process started and uh, we actually keep a lot of them in our office so that I can just hand it to you when you walk out the door. And I'm usually going ahead and ordering another supply when you leave the office for your next purchase because, uh, because you're going to need it, especially when we're doing a fairly high loading dose to begin with and then we're dropping down later, you're going to, that higher, higher initial dose, you're going to need to replace the bottle quickly. So I'm starting you as quickly as I can. And then, so I would suggest that you do uh, go ahead and get started. I think, I think you can't, you probably can't go wrong with using BPC or TA1 if you have an autoimmune disorder to start with. We've, you know, I, I can tell you story after story after patients doing well with those, even just one of the two of them. How many of your patients uh, start a protocol and, and, and experience Herxheimer and go, something's wrong. I feel horrible. I feel like I got, I've got the flu for the past couple of days. So you can usually tell who those patients are going to be. Um, that commonly will happen if you start them on something like L37 too early. Uh, but, but 
you're going to usually know them ahead of time because they're going to be the patients who can't tolerate perfume smells. They can't, they have a lot of food allergies. They have uh, where they go into a room and they can smell the mold in the room. You're going to have, these patients are going to be, they're going to present to you as, as multiple chemical sensitive. And those are the patients I'm going to start half dose. I'll tell them what the full dose is. And I start on half and I give them the flexibility to increase their dose over a certain number of days to weeks. I stay in pretty close contact with them. They all have my cell phone, so. And, and, and Herxheimer is a real thing. A lot of people think it's, it's uh, hooey, but uh, some of the symptoms of Herxheimer also are uh, you start to run a very low-grade temperature at night before bed. Uh, you'll just feel lethargic. You feel like people will say, I just feel like I'm coming down with something. And, and really what that is, <clears throat> excuse me, is from the rapid die-off, your body is being hit with all of these toxins all at once that would have normally been pooped out slowly by these little culprits, right? Right. Yeah, okay. So you're, you're, uh, it's, it's the breakdown of the cell wall, so it's no longer an intact thing that your body recognizes and sort of knows how to manage. Now you're talking about a, a, a wall that's been broken down and you're exposing your immune system to new things, which is why you have to start with the immune modulating things first rather than starting with, like I said, L37 or, or something that's going to be, or, or even something simple like biocidin. you got to be careful about starting those things too high or uh, starting them too early in the, in the treatment progress. So Jackie Pullum Noah says, love you, Dr. Uh, Turner. You, that must be one of your patients? Hi, Jackie. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, have we missed anything, Dr. Turner? Um, I would just say that the, the treatment of uh, the ability to use these in so many ways and in combinations is amazing. So things like using, uh, I have a patient with um, a below the knee amputation who had an ulceration of his, of his leg below right. the knee. Right. And we were able to heal up that ulceration using a combination of peptides, BPC, AOD, and GHKCU in a cream, a topical cream. Uh, and he continues to use that because of his tremendous response to that. Obviously, he has lots of other things going wrong if he's using, if he's having a below-the-knee amputation. And, you know, sometimes you can get people to make changes in their lifestyle and sometimes you can't. Um, the the, the uh, uh, applications for, for um, uh, like, uh, my favorite is this treatment that we used when we used AODHA. You were talking earlier about AODHA or AOD. If you use it in combination with HA, this fragment, healing fragment of growth hormone is held in place by that hyaluronic acid, the higher weight hyaluronic acid. You can use that in these inflammatory things like chronic tendinitis. Like, uh, um, I think I heard you the other day talking about your um, thigh injury that you sustained and that your BPC got, got you better for, from that. You can use AODHA for that as well. And that's a once-a-week treatment. Um, this patient I have that had avascular necrosis did really well with several weekly treatments of AODHA. And again, we're treating an inflammatory process. We're using that growth hormone to bring things down. In her, I did not start with... BPC or TA1 because otherwise she had a fairly um, healthy life and lifestyle. She came to me with this um, uh, avascular necrosis injury and we started immediately with that growth hormone. She did just fine. I added the BPC because of its repair properties, but that was later. Have you seen um, tolerance issues with uh, people with severe autoimmunity uh, to BPC? Jeff Robinson wants to know if you've noticed that People tolerate BPC better when using TA1 first 
or combined with. It seems that those with severe autoimmunity uh, can have BPC tolerance issues. I, I would have thought BPC is one of the most tolerable of all. You would think so. So I have a patient with MS who it was unable to tolerate the oral BPC. That's what we started with in her because I figured that was her primary source. But in fact, when we started her with TA1, she tolerated it just fine. We did TA1, obviously, uh, sub-Q, and we're getting ready because she's been on TA1 sub-Q about six weeks, so we're getting ready to start her on BPC sub-Q to see if she'll tolerate that where she did not tolerate it orally. She might tolerate the oral again, but, but again, now we're talking about someone who's got a little anxiety because she tried it before and had a bad reaction. So I don't want to put somebody through going through that again if I have an alternate route I can administer. It's one of the things I love about BPC. It comes in a dental paste. It comes in eye drops. So for your corneal ulcerations, you can use it in, in uh, corneal ulcerations. I'm still using it. I, I used the Thymosin Beta-4 and BPC-157 uh, eye drops. I had a, a corneal ulcer. It, it lasted months. My audience knows about mm-hmm. it. I was blind in my right eye. And Terrible. There are no imperfections in my cornea. And now I just have a little cloudiness that may or may completely resolve, but I can, I mean, I've got a contact lens in and I, I'm 20, 30 in the right eye now, thanks to those peptides. Great. I'm a fan. Um, oh, I had a question in my head. So uh, with BPC-157 will a- uh, agitate me at night. If I take it too close to bed, I don't sleep as well. Interesting. One of the things I was going to ask you was since some of the implications of uh, autoimmunity seem to affect... Uh, mitochondria, is NAD plus injectable or drip uh, a good idea for these people or only when they get to a certain point of progress? Absolutely. And I'm going to follow their lab results. I'm, I'm going to look at things like, um, uh, you know, I'm going to look at a, the easiest one. I have a lot of patients who still use insurance. So um, I'm going to look at their MEB, which is the combination of monocytes, eosinophils, and basophils. And we want to see that be somewhere Somewhere around 10, 8, 7 would be perfect. If you get above 10, we start worrying. This is your barking dog saying, my innate immune system the, the, is, is in the middle of the night seeing something that it doesn't like. So it's barking when I see that MEB go up. So I'm watching that MEB to see if it comes down. And once it begins to come down, that's when I'm going is- to initiate the other therapies. You can use all kinds of markers, uh, TNF-alpha, um, you can use IL-6, IL-8. There's a few labs that will do that. You can. There's a bunch of different markers that you can use. CRP plus or minus, you can use ferritin is a great one to use to watch this um, inflammation begin to come down. And that's when you add in the other therapies, when they're starting to get a little bit better and you see their immune response going down. Now we attack their um, their infections with LL37 or we attack their brain function with dihexa or, or cerebrolysin. So Jeff Robinson said, last question, I swear. Mott C for chronic fatigue. What do you think? So I haven't used it for that yet. I, I have so far really used it in, uh, but that's where I think it was going to have its best. I think there and um, diabetes is where we're going to see Mott C be its benefit. The um, initial expense is going to be a, a difficult piece, but I think over time, I think the problem with it is the other problem is it's going to not be as quick a response your immune, your uh, uh, pancreas isn't going to respond as quickly to it as it's going to respond to insulin or or other you know diabetes drugs or changing your diet and exercising, uh, and so uh, you're going to have to be careful with taking patients off of their regular therapies. They may not respond as quickly as you expect. It might take three to six months to see them respond. 
So the website, give, give your website again, please. It's uh, vinemedical.com. And you are just uh, 20 miles north of Atlanta? Yes. And uh, so those of you who are listening, give your phone number one more time. 404-446-3600. If you're in the area and you want to stop spinning your wheels, because, you know, here's the thing. There's all this great information about peptides, and a pretty large percentage of it is wrong. Uh, And then you also have to worry about whether or not the peptides you're getting are real or not, or if they are even a high enough concentration, or they aren't laced with some hexane or something else that shouldn't be in there. And so if you're taking it into your own hands and you're trying to do this on your own and it's working for you, Godspeed, rock on. But if it's not working for you, you may want to eliminate one of those possible variables by going and seeing a doctor uh, like uh, Dr. Turner and have her handle it for you and do it right, because let's face it, you want to be done with this disorder, right? That's the bottom line. And if that is your mission, then you may need some good counseling. And you're not going to find a lot of doctors out there like Dr. Turner. I can guarantee you won't, probably definitely not in your own backyard. So reach out to her and uh, let her know you heard about her on uh, the pep talk here at Superhuman Radio. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Thank you for being here today, and have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that's it for today. We have a great show this Monday. We're going to be talking about red light therapy. Hope you can join us for that. Uh, Everybody have a great weekend, and uh, we will see you soon.